This is episode nine of Parenting 2.0, The Focused Mindset. Today, you get to listen in on a conversation I had with family therapist, leading expert in the solution-focused approach, Dr. Linda Medcalf. It's just a matter of putting on glasses where you see your kids differently and you look for times, not just necessarily where they're just being good, but times when things are going slightly better, times when they're not having as big a tantrum, times when school's going better and the grades are better. You've been upgraded to Parenting 2.0. New expectations requires a new mindset, the focused mindset. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a family mindset coach. Raising kids is an amazing journey and things don't always turn out as planned. Still, you get to share your life with an adult in training. This podcast will help you meet every new challenge with confidence and be the best version of yourself in your home and with the people you love. So today we are welcoming a guest that I've been very much looking forward to having, Dr. Linda Metcalf. She is the author of Counseling Towards Solutions, and I know that you guys have heard me talk about her. She also is uh, the author of Parenting Towards Solutions that is very soon going to be re-released. And I am just so happy to have you here, Linda. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So solution-focused therapy is a very big topic. So we are going to break it down today and just kind of talk about some of the the mindset of solution-focused and how it can really help people to shape um, the way that they think, the way that they feel, the way that they react towards their children. But first of all, I was wondering if you could share with us what is the solution-focused approach? Sure. Uh, Solution-focused approach is quite the opposite from a problem-focused approach in that instead of looking at a situation, say with a child or a teenager and saying, oh, they've got an issue, they're the problem, we look at them differently and see about times when there was not an issue. And and what we might have been doing as parents during that time, if anything, uh, that made a difference to make it work better. And so it's a mindset, as you are saying, Cheryl, so well, and that it is, it doesn't take a lot of uh, therapy background to do it. It's just a matter of putting on glasses where you see your kids differently and you look for times, not just necessarily where they're just being good, but times when things are going slightly better, times when they're not having as big a tantrum, times when school's going better and the grades are better becoming almost detectives with your kids' lives and figure out what's different, if anything, so that you can replicate it. And what have you seen, what difference does that make in children when parents use that approach? Oh my goodness, it's, the difference is so unbelievable. Um, I've had the privilege of being not only a parent to three kids, all parented very differently, and then a school counselor and a teacher. What difference it makes is that kids, I think when kids make a mistake, they're ready for the adult to reprimand them, punish them. Um, They're not used to a parent that looks at it and says, you know, I know that you 
forgot to be polite to your brother a minute ago, but I also know that in the past you've been very polite to him. And I wonder what you forgot to do right now and what you might do just for the next 30 minutes or so as you're playing with him. That's a very different approach. It, it lowers resistance on the part of between parent and child, and it gives the kid a chance to kind of recollect what they might have done. And when they do that and they come forth with the idea, they're the ones who get to be the expert. And it's a better, gives it a better chance to kind of stick and for them to do things differently in the future. So. There's so much, and you just said right there, it, it stuck out to me when you said lowering their resistance. Oh. That's yeah. so powerful because um, so many things become a power struggle. Yes. And, uh, and I know in my work as a counselor and as a coach, actually, um, the first thing sometimes I hear about is the power struggle. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of strength in lowering the resistance. It's not a weakness. It's a strength. Yes. Can you yeah. talk on that a little bit? Well, let me just share a story from one of my children. Um, Actually, this is in the book. Um, my daughter, uh, one evening, she was around 15, I think. And uh, we answered the phone and it was a very deep male voice. And I went upstairs and I said, hey, Kelly, who is this on the phone? Because I knew I had not heard this voice before. This was at the time we had landlines. And how old was she? About oh, she was 15, yes. Okay, 15. 15. And not dating yet. And so uh, she said, oh, mom, it was, it was Brian. You know Brian. And I said, Kelly, I don't think that was Brian. She said, okay, fine, mom. It was a boy I met at the mall. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And I said, okay. Um, first of all, I'm glad you met somebody, but tell me, um, since you didn't tell me the truth at first, what could I have done as your parent that might've made it easier for you to tell me the truth? And then we had a con quite a conversation. And, you know, while I can't say that all of our children were angels, although they were pretty close, um, when they were growing up, I would do things like that. Um, instead of saying, you're grounded because you lied to me, it was the question was, what can we do differently in the future to where lying's not needed, not necessary, and you feel like you can honestly tell me something? And um, it seemed to go really well um, doing something like that. Wow, uh, that's an interesting story. So the first, it's completely against your natural instinct, right? Like, yes. what, was, what was your natural instinct? Like, how did you want to react when you first heard that voice? Do you remember? Oh, uh, you know, I don't remember. Um, it was a while ago, she's 38 <laughs> now. Um, but, you know, I remember being terrified, first of all, that she would um, talk to a boy at the mall and um not you know and and get a phone call and she was new to the dating world and you know naturally i want to be protective but i also knew from I, I feel very fortunate as a school counselor at that time that um keeping the the lines of communication open with teenagers i was learning as a school counselor was huge mm -hmm. and so while my husband was upset with her uh, i said hold on let me try something else um and it really did open some dialogue Yes. Uh, between us. And so it takes a little bit of, it makes you, this approach will make you stop and think, okay, before I go into the room and get upset, what am I trying to accomplish? There you and, go. And what I was trying to accomplish was to let her know that I still loved her and that I respected her, that I didn't like being lied to, but that I also wanted to know how we could go forth and make it better. Right. And that kind of guided me through that process. So it's kind of like you needed to take a minute to uh, look at the solution that you wanted before you went into that situation as a parent. Yes, yes. That's, and that's no, 
Yes, and recognize that I'm part of that solution in the way that I interact with my child. Mm -hmm. So now another thing that in that very story that pointed out to me, we have to unpack this for a minute, <laughs> um, <laughs> is that you separated the lie from her being a liar to the problem of lying. Yes. And I don't know, actually, you'll have to tell me if that's actually sort of a part of the solution focus, focused approach or if that's just good practice, but that's pretty powerful as well. Yeah. And, and I think the bigger picture too, Cheryl, is that I knew my daughter mm -hmm. and I knew that she's a, a good kid. We didn't have any issues with her uh, or really any of our kids. They, they were, you know, like typical kids, they did silly stuff, stupid stuff. But yeah. Um, in general, I knew her as a good soul, and she was a good student, cheerleader. She was in, in, the, in front of everybody all the time, and she got all kinds of, you know, compliments and things. So I knew that first, but this was just a tiny, tiny speck on a otherwise pretty good history of being a good person, and why would I want to blow that, you know, and instead more focusing more on the goodness that I saw in her and this glitch that she did. And letting her know that I'm not going to be furious with her. Instead, I'm I'm interested in and knowing how we can take it another step to where she didn't find that necessary and she can tell me more things. See, I can imagine though, um, in a situation where you know, if we know better, we do better. But if you wouldn't have known some ways to approach this, yeah. that she could have developed a habit of habit of lying. You know, exactly. and I I exactly. know that there's many parents listening, many people that deal regularly with yes. how uh, wrong do they feel when their child is lying to them and how passionate they are about honesty, that it becomes um, uh, a real problem with them uh, calling, like I said, calling them a liar, you're lying to me, and making that an issue rather than how to fix it. Um, can, that yes. kind of goes into the exception. They need to look for the exceptions. And yes, yes. How, what would you talk how, what would you say to a parent that's dealing with that, that maybe has seen many, many examples of like for this example, lying and how can they see the exception? You know, the first thing I might talk to them about is, you know, tell me about your kid and tell me about some wonderfulness about him or her. Mm -hmm. um, beside, let's put this, this issue aside for a second. Tell me about those things first. And then I, I usually when I, as, as a family therapist, which is what I also am, um, I usually see parents stop and smile and look at their kids and go, oh, well, you know, when it comes to this, this, and this, and he's so helpful, so wonderful, and all those things, it changes the entire atmosphere. And then, um, so this lying thing that came up, and, um, you know, tell me times when, when, and I might look at the, the kid even and say, tell me times when you thought about lying, but you didn't. And, um, and usually kids will say, well, you know, I thought about it before one time when I was out, you know, with some friends and we went to a place I didn't, wasn't supposed to go. And, um, I had one, one, oh, I'll never forget this one girl came in and said, yes, I went, I went on, um, a trip and I told my parents I was going to be spending the night at somebody's house. And, um, instead I went down to, um, the beach and which was in Texas around 200 miles away. Oh my gosh. Friends. And she said, but when I came home the night on Sunday night, I went straight to their room and I said, mom and dad, I lied to you. I should not have done this. This is what I did. You can punish me and do whatever you think. And my, this family was sitting in my office and I looked at the family and I said, how on earth did you manage to rear up a girl? Because this is the first time and the girl was 15 years old. 
how have you done this? Right. We're a girl with the first time ever has happened. And they looked at each other and said, we don't know. And the <laughs> daughter said, I'll tell you what it is. They're wonderful. And I said, how are they wonderful? She said, well, you know, they, they ground me when they have to, but I'm most of the time just, you know, I love them and I don't want to hurt them. And that's why I really messed up and I'll never do it again. And, um, you know, that was an example of parents and they had called me with an urgent, urgent need to see me and first time. And, um, because their daughter did this thing and they thought something was awful and quite the contrary, things were very good. She mm -hmm. felt horrible about it. She had so much remorse. And, you know, as a result, I, I really doubt that the girl, after we had talked that day, ever did anything, you know, like that again. In that same regard. Yeah. 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 Because when you're able to pull out where she really was in her heart yes, and then deal with that heart issue and deal with her, her intentions, yes. then people are able to step away and go, oh, wait a minute, let's, let's reframe this right now right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you do that, Cheryl, you respect your kids. You know, I think that something that we hear a lot is as school counselors and, and family therapists is, well, when they respect me, I'll respect them. Oh, no, no, no. It has to start off with you respecting kids, you know, and when you do that, there's a, there's a, almost, there's a bond that happens between you and your child and they do begin to want to tell you more things and trust you. And when you, when they do that, the relationship just soars and things get much, much better. And, and, and it's, a, it's, it's almost magical. Yes, completely understand. And I'm sure that yeah. like uh, many listeners, that there's things flowing through my mind of examples of that happened in raising my own kids. You know, yes. it's yes. interesting seeing it like you have as a therapist and then also living it with your own kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. can you think of any time where a parent was very resistant to thinking that this approach would actually help them at all. And then they were surprised when it did. Um, let me think, you know, it's, it, it is typical. It is not that typical with this approach because this is the only way I work um, to see once in a while, I may have somebody that, you know, after we've, they've come in my office and we're sitting and we're talking and, I'm asking about how they want things to be with their kids. And then I ask the kid how they want things to be with the parent. And they, we talk together and we come up with a plan. And before the session is over, occasionally you might be somebody who says, well, do you think I should ground him? Mm. You know, as an aside, and we never talked about grounding. We never talked about punishment. Instead, we talked about a better relationship. And, and so my response sometimes is, you know, instead of that for right now, let's just try this out as an experiment and see how it goes. And uh, should things, you know, change by the time I see you again in two weeks or however long they want to come back, uh, then we'll look into something different. But for right now, I see so many strengths in you as a parent and so many in your son or daughter. Um, why don't we just try this out and see what happens? And most of the time, you know, when people are coming in, it's because they have tried all the punishments. And, you know, if I had one more parent who came in and says she's grounded for the rest of her life because she didn't empty the dishwasher again, you know, <laughs> it would be so many. I mean, please don't do that, listeners. Please don't ground kids for not dish emptying the dishwasher because, you know, kids, at, when they get into middle school and high school, their priorities are very different from ours. And, you know, when you look at it, it's very sweet because their priorities are friends, humans. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so there's other ways instead, just talk, 
you know, talk about, hey, you know, it, it would have been really helpful if you'd help me empty the dishwasher. And as a result, I've got to do this now. And I've got so much things, so many things to do at work. How about you help me to empty it together and we can talk about your day. Mm-hmm. That's much more effective. Yes. And that's a relationship builder too. It sure is. Now, way back before you were in the spot that you're in now, you worked with middle schoolers, right? Even teaching them, I think I remember. Middle like, school, you, yes. My yeah. first was a middle school teacher, yes. Yes. And yeah. so you jumped right into the fire with, with an age group that is, uh, is, is just probably, I would say, out of all the ages that I've worked with, because I've, I've counseled with preschool all the way through high school. The most turbulent time and the times of the most change is right there in middle school, right? There's lessons to be learned. So it's interesting that you keep bringing up when they get older. So parents that are with kids before they hit junior high, their end goal, if you will, of thinking about, oh, they're going to be growing up so fast. The habits that they create will help them at that time. It really does. Yes. So I was just thinking about that, how that there's a lot of power in that where you've seen the kids during their most turbulent times, yes. but they have to take some steps before that to develop that relationship so they can have it when the dishwasher doesn't get, uh, you know, undead and they can actually approach something like that, you know? It's, it's really true. And if you can uh, build the relationships before they get into junior high or high school, to where they they know that you're fascinated by them. You're not asking 20 questions. You're just fascinated by who they are and what they're becoming. And you trust them and you let them know that, that you trust them. Rarely do you have the issues in high school that some mm-hmm. parents do that just clamp down. And just because, and, and keep this in mind too, and I know Cheryl, you've said this before, but just because they're taller and they're in sixth grade doesn't mean they're still not your, your baby that loves mm-hmm. to be talked with and uh, cuddle occasionally and respected and complimented. It's amazing what happens when, when parents just think because they're getting taller, you know, that they don't need that from me anymore. Oh no, they always need it. Yes. They do. And let's talk about, you just mentioned compliments. Compliments as the definition would be for solution focused is very different than the, the type of compliments that um, we think about because you've spoken and taught me very, very much in helping people be the expert. And there's ways that we can compliment that help them feel empowered and help them yes. feel like the expert. And I'd love to hear a little bit from you about that. Yes, I mean, there's, there's let's say, for example, um, let's say intermediate school. Uh, or maybe a, a 10 or 11 year old and um, they've done a pretty good job cleaning their room. And when you, when you ask them, well, maybe you ask them several times and that's okay. Uh, maybe you even help them and that's okay too, by the way. Um, you could talk to them when you're helping them, but let's say you, you see it that they've done a fairly good job. You could say, uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, you did a wonderful job. I'm, I'm very proud of you. And that would be a typical way a parent might say, Oh, good job. But there's another way to ask it and say it that is even more powerful. And that is walking into the room and saying, oh my goodness, look at what you did. You cleaned this room in a way that, oh, it makes such a difference for me. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing. How did you know to clean it so well? How did you put everything up on this shelf like you did so well? I mean, I'm just so impressed. How did you do that? 
Now, the first scenario, when I just say I'm proud of you, you're the expert and you bestow the compliment. The second one, they're the expert because you're saying, oh my goodness, look at this. How did you know to put everything over here? Oh, thank goodness you're making my day so much better. They get all the credit. And when the kids get all the credit, not all the credit, but most of the credit, it pumps them up inside. And you know what? They're more likely to do it again, Mm -hmm. which is what we're after. And so, yeah, two different ways of doing it. Yeah. And I find that when a child discovers, when you highlighted something that they can actually do, mm-hmm. then you're putting a flashlight on that. And, they're, and they say, wait a minute, I did do that, didn't I? You yeah. know, where they yeah. might not have even realized that. And there's so, so much power in that because they walk away from that and they remember that interaction. Uh, the next time it's time to clean the room. They do. And, and really quick story, if you're interested, I have another story. That Absolutely. My third child, Ryan, we have three. When he was around six or seven, we went skiing for the first time. And um, we went up to the, up, we were all new at skiing. And so we went up the ski lift and got top of the mountain. And none of us knew had ever learned how to ski. And we hadn't taken lessons yet. And so my husband and the two older kids went down the mountain and fell a few times. They got up and we're fine. But Ryan was terrified. And so we were walking along. He says, mommy, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I said, oh, Ryan, you know, I'm not so sure I can do it either. And I thought, oh my gosh, we got to get down this mountain so we can find, you know, meet the rest of the family. And so I said, how about Ryan, we just go a little bit and see what happens. He said, okay. So we went a little bit and um, I said, how about we go just a little bit more? Because let's just go down. Let's just find a way down to where we can be with daddy and, and your brother and sister. Okay, we can do that. Slowly, slowly, slowly. Well, pretty soon, He's going faster and I'm still going slowly and he's down the mountain and Mm -hmm. we down the mountain. I said, okay, Ryan, we don't have to go back. Oh, mommy, let's do it again. I mean, that was an example of, you know, he got to be the expert and I said, well, you got to show me how to do this then because I, you know, had a hard time. That's an example of, you know, going with it. If a kid says, you know, I just don't think I can do that. I don't think I can go join the other kids in the, in the baseball park today. And so, you know what? I understand that that's kind of hard. How about I just walk with you a little bit? We'll just see what's happening over there first. Those kind of small little steps can often be so much better than saying you don't quit anything, which I've heard a lot from parents. Oh, so often. And you know what? I'm also, I would say that myself as a parent and in counseling, Um, I sometimes will get caught up in the big picture Mm -hmm. and I need to take it down to just the next important step that they can do that will help them. And it not only eases my mind, you know, it's what they can actual, it's a bite size instead of the whole, it's trying to swallow the entire sandwich or whatever. And, and what you want to do is you want to make sure that the, that the, our, our, our children and our teens get the bite size credit Mm. too. And they get, they hear from their parent whom they really adore underneath. Oh my God, thank goodness for you. I wouldn't have made it to the bottom of the mountain if it weren't for you. I mean, that's, that's the self-esteem builder. Of that really is. Yeah. Of the solution focused work. You yeah. know, that really leads me into something that's been on my mind. And that's that coming up here in the fall, there will be all of these children that are going to, in one shape or another, be going back to school and school is going to look differently. Some kids won't, some districts, they, they won't be able to go back to school um, the same ways. And I think every single family is going to be faced with helping their child go back to school after this 
this um, pandemic hit and they were all taken away from school in an instant. I've been wrapping my mind around that for a while because it's summer now. And I was wondering if you have any advice for me and everybody else on how we might begin to approach our kids so they to lessen their anxiety about going back to school. I'll, I'll answer your question in a way that I answer lots of questions about how do you do certain things, and that is involve the people that are involved in the process to help you. In other words, in this case, uh, sit down with your children or go play with your children, however it is you interact best with them, um, and say, you know what? Looks like school's gonna be starting in two weeks, and um, it's gonna be different for me that you're gonna be gone, and probably different for you that you're gonna get to go to school. How can we all work together and uh, to where we, we just start out and try it. You know, again, not keeping it long-term, not saying for the whole nine months, just very short-term and ask them, you know, what can, you know, let's imagine that the day comes, the day before school starts and uh, we're getting ready. What do you think we could be doing as a family um, or just you and me so that the next day of school goes a little bit smoother? What do you think? And, and at first, kids may not know, uh, and so you want to give them time to think about it. And if they don't know, say, you know what, I'm not so sure either, although I really want to know what I can do as your parent to make it a, an okay day, because we are not sure how it's going to turn out. But one thing I do know is I'll be there for you to help you. Uh, if you can just tell me some things I could do, that would be, you know, when, when I'm starting to think about that process for the fall, I think it's just important that a parent relay that they're not quite sure either, but we're going to get through it together. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important that parents start thinking, we've got kids going back to school. There was still the time when they first started school. What did they do when, before they started kindergarten, first grade, or whenever they went maybe to their first scout meeting, or they went to their first gymnastics tryout you know what did they do how to go draw on your skills as a parent as how you got your kids ready for other situations and um but always maybe you haven't done it as much in, in the past but always consider consulting the kid you know what could we do that day that would make a difference so that walking in that first day of school won't be as as scary mm-hmm yeah, and use their language. If kids say scary or I'm, I'm anxious, kids are actually picking up on the word anxious nowadays. Um, what can we do to make it a little less anxious for you? Because mm-hmm. I think that um, it might come out in kids and just saying, I don't want to go back. Sure. You yeah. Know? And I might say, makes sense to me. We've had a good time. But since we have to go back, let's try and talk about a way to make it just slightly okay. Mm-hmm. Small little steps. You know, that, that is, that right there is gold. I'm going to have to write that down and put it in the show notes because I absolutely can imagine and being a parent of a daughter that's going into seventh grade as well, that you just want to gear up for the beginning of the year, like you always would and just be like, let's do this thing. All right, let's get our backpack. Let's do this. And I think it's going to be amazing to remind people to take a step back and acknowledge what happened and acknowledge that this is a different type of going back. And I like the way that you said to, for a parent's mind, consider what you did when they first started school or when they first started a new activity and the approach Mm -hmm. that you would use for that. And that's a much more tender type of approach. And 
as well, I noticed, okay, so first of all, approaching it differently. So before the parent went into the conversation, think about how have I approached this before to help my child get through hard things, Yes. right? And yes. then the second step was approach it as a team with mm -hmm. teamwork, mm -hmm. you know, that how mm -hmm. can we together yes. make this happen? Yeah. And then the next thing I heard, I think there was something else between there, is for them to imagine beforehand, what could we do on that day yeah. to make it easier for you? Sure, sure. You know, this is amazing preparation because yeah. we think, well, I think that um, they might hear, well, get them ready. But these, that's, that's totally different than what we're talking about. This yeah. is something you got to do on purpose. So when we're getting them ready, it's not all about just telling a parent to get them ready, but they actually are taking action steps to prepare them on purpose. Yes. yes. And I think, you know, it's, it's saying to, to kids, you know, we've, we've got to go back to school. You've got to go back to school. I've got to go back to work and I'll miss you so much. You know, I think don't forget the, the sweet things. That's important mm -hmm. to say to them. Um, but how we will do that, you know, how do you hope that first day goes when we walk in the door you know, what will you think about? What will you enjoy seeing or, you know, that maybe you've forgotten that you, you love doing and that kind of thing that kind of reminds them of the things that they enjoyed about school too. That's true because they are, they might be in the mindset of just thinking about the day that they left and how everything changed and they might need to on purpose be brought back to the things they did like about school yeah. and the things they do miss, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's really quite, uh, that's going to be very important, I think, for many of our families. I think so, too. And again, I mean, in the same way that many people that have been working remotely, I mean, my, me included, uh, kind of enjoyed being home doing this, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's going to be tough for us to go back to. So no reason it couldn't be tough for our kids. And just acknowledging that and saying, by the way, I kind of miss, you know, I'm going to miss staying home, too. But this is what I'm thinking about. That's also modeling and giving them ideas on how you think about things. And that's, that's important too. You're all in that together. Yes, it's a teamwork type yeah. thing. And once they feel that they're in it together with you and they see your side of it, that's the relationship building, relationship building part that's so yeah. important. Yeah. I was just thinking about how we do have some more time this summer before we do go back. And Listening to podcasts has been something that I found more and more parents are doing to kind of like pass the time and downloading. And I just want to take a minute to really highlight your podcast because I want you to know that I love listening to it. It helps me so much. And even though you say uh, you talk a lot about how it helps educators, I think that a lot of parents would benefit from listening to your podcast as well. Can you tell me a little bit about how you decided to do this podcast and tell me a little bit about it? Well, the title of the podcast is uh, Solution Focused Schools Unlimited, and it's on pretty much every platform for podcast. And actually, it was my son who, when I was, when we, he, we got together at Christmas, he was asking me how things were going with the things I was doing for um, the books that I've, I've written and, and some, and a conference I was developing. And he said, mom, have you ever done a podcast? And I said, no. I said, I wouldn't know where to start. And he said, well, just look at, look at Anchor. And so I said, okay, I'll think about it. You know, that's just one more thing to do. Right. And, then thought, and then one day I thought, okay, I'm going to find a quiet place in the house 
and I'm just going to go talk about what I love talking about, which is schools. Always, it's always been schools that I've always loved going into and working with kids and teachers and parents. And so I just put something together and put it out there. And I remember the first time I uploaded it and, and I thought, okay, we'll see what happens. Well, it got some listeners uh -huh. and uh, pretty soon I got feedback and it was good. And I thought, okay, I'll just keep on going. So each time I, I do it, I try to make it short, sweet. It's, mine don't last very long. They're maybe 15, 16 minutes. It's kind of uh, consistent with the way I do therapy, very short term. Um, but I just give a message and it seems to be working. And so as of now, we've got almost, I've got almost 3000 listeners and that's just been since January. So and hopefully more because um, I, I encourage people to head over there and check it out because well, there's a lot going on in that short 15 minutes that you put in. Um, it's, it's something that they can listen to and then they'll think about all day long. That's oh, the way I look at it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. This means a lot. And I will tell you, I, I remember the exact place I was in my house in the podcast that you mentioned me in, and I just freaked out. So what, do you remember which one that was? Oh, it must have been two or three back. I don't remember which it one. Was a, it was, I was just like, okay, I'm going to catch up on, on oh. Dr. Linda Medcalf's podcast. And it was, I, I was still enrolled in your course, uh -huh. um, Solution Focused climate specialist to yes, become a solution yes. focused climate specialist in yes. the California Association of School Counselors. And um, I remember I was in the bathroom. I was literally cleaning the mirror <laughs> of the bathroom. And so I could see myself in the reaction, which was really funny. And I stopped and I'm like, She's talking about my counseling session right now. <laughs> it was so an amazing counseling session with, with a student that I was just floored. How could, you know, you just learned the approach a few months prior and you were just doing a beautiful job with this child and she was responding so well. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is incredible. I got to show this. And um, yeah, yeah, it was marvelous the way you just sat back and not one time told her to do one thing. Instead, she came up with everything, and she was a, a quiet, quiet student. And uh, but still, she was able to bring up things and figure things out and solution build, like the best of them. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. I I almost used a different video for that one because she was so quiet, and now I understand the power oh. behind her being quiet. Yes, yes. I think a lot of times when, and this is the same with our children too, and teenagers when they don't know. It's because they're thinking. And so let's just let them think. And so then we'll revisit this. Tell you what, I'll come find you in about an hour and we'll talk about this again. You don't have to sit there and wait. And you know, sometimes it's just better for them to go off and think. And when you go back and you say, okay, I'm very interested in what you've come up with, that again is a powerful way to say, I believe in you. Mm -hmm. I trust you. Yeah. And I some kids um need that time to process, but I will tell you that using the solution focused approach, um, how can I say it, 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 you have to slow down to yeah. be able to do the approach. And even if with parents, if they're even saying, I'm going to sit back and listen to my child, they have to slow down their thoughts mm -hmm. and stop thinking about what they're saying, going to say next. They really do because kids are not being, they're not used to being asked, what do you think about this? What do you think that we should do when we go back to school in a few weeks? 
you know, they're not, they're used to being told things. And to, nowadays in schools, we have such initiatives that, you know, in regard to growth mindset, for example, where we're trying to help kids get into the, the, the way of thinking of how do I solve this issue? You know, what, how can I take what I know and how can I go ahead and do it? And what we're learning is that the more that they know that the person believes in them and encourages them to try it and gives them all the credit for finishing it, that's what grows the mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Because as in our nat, I remember um, I'm re being reminded of my natural instinct is bringing me back a little bit, even to that very counseling session that I recorded and turned in for you is that I will literally need to press my lips together to stop myself from talking. That's that, you know, I mean, Hey, I'm doing a podcast. I, I enjoy talking. There's no doubt about that. That's, that's part of who I am, but in order to make sure and just doubly make sure that I shut up, basically, I yeah. remember just pressing my lips together because yeah. I wanted to hear from them. And yeah. I think that's just such a powerful thing for us to learn to do. Because if we're sitting there, as, as we're talking about going back to school, if we come in and we're like a more like a soldier type, hey, this is what we're doing. And we're doing this and we're doing that and we're doing the other. Mm -hmm. We completely missed finding out from them. We might assume they're anxious and they're not even anxious at all. You right. know? Exactly. So exactly. And listening. Yeah, and you'll miss out on some great things that might really work for them. Like, you know, like, Mom, if I could just wear that shirt that, you know, I like so much, and I could put it out the night before, and the matching socks and the matching shoes. I mean, those are the things we don't think about, but they'll think about it. Or, Mom, can you make me that sandwich like you did last week, you know, when I was home? Oh, for lunch. Oh, all right. Those are the things, you know, and just we don't know until we ask. Mm -hmm. and, and listen. And listen. <sighs> So yeah. slow down enough to listen, but yeah. that doesn't mean that it's going to take a long time. <laughs> no, no, no. It just means if we, we can't help our kids be confident if we fix it all for them. Mm -hmm. And so, and if we, when we rear up competent kids, they go out in the world and they're going to do things they need to do mm -hmm. and not depend on someone else and grow that way. Yes. I think that most parents want to build up confident kids yes. and they want to raise kids that will be competent in this world and compassionate individuals and have a growth mindset. And that's not something that they were born knowing how to do. They know they want that, but yes. how to get that is a completely different story. Yes. So let's take a minute to talk about the re-release of counseling, uh, of your counseling Towards Solution for Parents. What, what's the actual title of that again? It's going to be Parenting Towards Solutions. Parenting Towards Solutions. I love Parenting it. Solutions. And um, I will, I'm hoping to publish it in the fall, maybe around November. Um, and I can always send you an updated publication date um, for that. And uh, yeah, it's, it, I think there, there will just be a few things I'll need to tweak because honestly, the, the, the ideas and the strategies in the book haven't changed, but um, maybe some of the things such as I need to add some email in there. Social media. Social media. I need to add social media in there and cell phones and Facebook and all of those things that are now such a big part of and Instagram, uh, such a big part of our kids' world. And uh -huh. that will 
updated a little bit. But in general, what's interesting is that when I started looking at it to see how I would revise it, it's not going to be needing that much revision. You know, okay. yeah, the ideas are the same because these are not applications or strategies for every specific incident. It's a mindset of how you think about things when you approach your child. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it is, uh, our society has, is moving fast. There's no doubt that a lot, uh, there's a lot of disconnect that parents are sometimes feeling between generations right now. Uh, And I think that's always the case, but social media and the influence of social media has um, definitely made an impact on parenting. So I, I would, I'm going to be looking forward to that update, but also on knowing that the core of how you handle it is the same way then you that because people are people yeah people are people it's the way that you you know so there's there was there will still be a lot of stories about our children in the book mm-hmm. and a lot of kids that I've worked with and had the pleasure to work with as as a family therapist that's going to be great yeah. and what's your um what's your website why don't you shout that out for people to head over there Okay, my website is metcapconsulting.org. All right, I'm going to put that in the show notes. And they can also look there, especially any of you that are involved in education. You have a virtual conference coming up here. Is it the second annual virtual conference? Yes, it is. The second solution-focused school conference. And October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. And it will be held over those three days, which with uh, each day around four and a half to five hours of various uh, either 45 minute segments or 30 minute segments to keep interest. And and I've got so many amazing people from all over the world, literally that have said yes. Um, I can't believe it. So they'll be coming from London and Singapore and Germany and Canada. And I couldn't be happier with, and then many people from the U S that are just such wonderful friends so they've agreed That's to come amazing. on and just give a little bit of information about what they do and the themes will be the same. Well, I know I'm looking forward to that. Well, and if, any, if anyone else listening wants to join me on that, uh, on, in that early October, October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, they can head over to your website yes. and find information on that. Actually, if people will just Google Solution Focus School Conference, it pops right up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It is yeah. called, it is Solution Focus School Conference dot WordPress dot com. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just Googled it and it came right up. Mm, perfect. There so, we go. Well, I do not know uh, what our future holds, but I hope it holds a lot more collaboration, a lot more of time that we can talk about. Um, how we can help kids grow. And is there anything in our last moments here, do you have a message that you'd like to leave for our parents? You know, I think, and I'm lucky because our children are all grown up now. And I look back at what we did. And I think one of the things I think we always did was we were always there. I mean, I was always the mother who was waiting up, whether it was midnight or one o'clock in the morning, to say, hi, so glad you're here. And even if they were a few minutes late, I never said, Oh, you're late. Instead, I'm so glad to see you. And that was my mother-in-law actually who taught me that. But I think, you know, above it all is just to look at your children each day and realize how lucky you are and look for the gold inside each one of them. And when you recognize that gold and you say it to them like that, the relationship just keeps on growing. If your relationship is good, 
you won't have the issues mm. that other parents might. It's all about building the relationship. It's all about that. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Very what a great conversation with Linda. And I loved listening to it back with you. I heard in Linda's voice her calm and positive demeanor that she has when she approaches kids. And you don't have to be a family therapist to be able to do things like that. You can do that today, in the very next minute, in the very next day. You can choose to look at things with a calm heart and through a positive lens with your kids. How about we all practice that in this next week with anyone we're around and all of the people we care about. Look out for the things that they do well. What are their talents? How are they naturally helpful? What makes them wonderful in this world? And point it out and say something. When we give those kind of compliments more specific, more uh, empowering to them, making them the expert in one certain way or another, we're going to see a difference. So how about we do that this week? And I'd love to hear from you guys how that goes. I want to let you know that something really exciting happened after this conversation. Linda asked me to be a guest speaker in her conference that she spoke about here. So early October, October 3rd on Saturday afternoon, I'm going to be a guest and I'm going to be speaking on how to find exceptions in your children. I'd love before that time for you guys to tell me what you think. Give me your stories. I'd like to use what you guys have gone through as examples in my talk that day. So look in the show notes because I'm going to leave the links to my website and exactly how you can go to the page, the about me page, and then the contact me page where you can talk to me. You just have to push a button and I'll be able to hear what you say. And then you can also write something out to me in email if you'd like. I love hearing from you. So my website is www.thefocusedmindset.com. And in the show notes, I'll also leave some links for the solution-focused um, conference that I'll be speaking in. So, you guys, it's almost time for me to sign off. This has been another fun episode. I can't wait till next week. You guys, I have lots more interviews to share. That's what this summer is all about. But I also have a few things that I'm going to talk to you about, some solo ones that are coming up. So don't forget to like this, share it, subscribe so we can grow this podcast. And I thank you for going on this journey with me as I teach the focused mindset and spread it to others so everyone can on purpose be their best self every day. So time has come for me to sign off. And until next time, guys, take care.